truth is that it's a journey in the comics network production What's up, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Rank 'em All, the collaborative podcast across the Journey to Comics Network. It's the show where we have a, a few panelists, in this case, four. We sit down and we go through an entire artist's or band's discography and we rank all them, some bitches. So, what we're going to do here today, we have chosen Metallica and we're going to start at the very beginning. At the namesake, kill them all and go all the way down. Now, all today, we're just going to do kill them all for this little iteration. But today's panelists, I am one of your panelists, Brando. And we're just going to go down, uh, I believe, uh, over here. And it just depends on how on how this all works out for everybody. But <laughs> but to my, I guess, left, to you guys, I don't know how this, Nate, Nate's and the Nate's another panelist is what I'm getting at. What's, <laughs> what's up, guys? How's everybody doing today? I'm really excited to be doing Rank Them All. Rank Them All. I said them all. I don't know why yeah, I you did, did that. Yeah, you did. You messed it up already. Uh, Damn, that, that was quick. That, that's no, my stop. MO, you guys. But also joining us today, Brando, the overlord of doom. Nick Maxson, welcome back, my friend, or welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, inviting me, letting me be a part of it. I'm excited. Metallica is one of my favorites. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Nate, I, I liked how you welcomed him back to the very first episode of Rank 'em All. That's really awesome. <laughs> really great. Really great. So you're starting out this podcast with a bang. Um, I never left. <laughs> <laughs> He's been ranking them since the beginning. <laughs> also, the host of Podcastrophe, the um, the donger of dongs, dong father, the dong father, the dongliest, uh, Doctor Dongo, <laughs> DDS. PhD, is, OBGYN. Is he, is he Dongalicious? Oh my God. Oh, yeah, you went there. Gross. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to stop you there, Nate. Yeah, this joke's been going on for a while, but we might be going a bit too far. What uh, is Dude, it's, it's going pretty good. I hope, all the, I hope this episode finds all you guys good. Whenever this comes out, because we'll no, we're not releasing these episodes until it's, it's all done. So by the time this show is ready to come out, the, the world may no longer be. We don't know. We just, that is true. <laughs> With, we'll we'll with, leave these for those who come next. Exactly. <laughs> for, for those who come next, who, if like we can't find these Metallica records, we'll just tell you how good they are. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gold discs that go out on Voyager three and four. Exactly. And maybe a couple of these albums were on that gold disc. But how we're going to do this, guys? We're going to go down the song titles, the song, the track list for every single one, and we are going to rank each each individual song. I already have a, an algorithm put in to whenever I give a song a, a, a 9 or a 10 or whatever, after at the end, it's going to average them all up, and that's going to be our album rank. So we're each going to have an individual album rank, but of course we need to have a, a master rank. I, I felt like that was no other... Like, master! So it's going to average all of our averaged ranks, and it's going to, you know, it should be pretty similar. But the reason for that is, is that, you know, I might love this album, Nick might not like it that much, Dick might hate it, and Nate thinks it's the best album of all time. So therefore, that's how we're gonna, you know, average this out. And for just for funsies, we're gonna figure out and average out all the individual song uh, averages, scores, ranks, whatever, as we go along as well. We're gonna thoroughly rank these. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thoroughly. When 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 the name was conceived, rank them all. I was holding no bones, man. I was holding nothing back. 
we are going to rank each and every one of these. And so we're going to go right down the discography. We're going to do all the studio albums. We are going to do S&M when we get there. We are going to do Garage Inc., but those are going to be have a little asterisk next to it. The reason why I thought S&M would be cool is that, well, it's got a few songs that aren't on the actual album or, or in any other albums. And also, there might be songs that we rate higher or lower depending, depending on how well they gel with the symphony, which I already know that there's a couple of them that I already like. Yeah, the symphony helps make this song even better. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I also want to mention before we get too far along in this is that once we've done all the albums, we will have a wrap-up show for Metallica where we will officially reveal where things ranked. You know, sure. is Kill 'Em All the fourth best album they put out and Masters the greatest album of all time? And for some reason, we still rank St. Anger at the dead last. I don't see that happening, but who knows? Who knows where we're going to go with this? Because it's still there. As we... We've got some ideas. That's where it'll end up. Oh, yeah. Don't know why. I don't know. I think this is the most interesting way to do this, though, because as Brandon said, four different opinions, four different viewpoints were kind of the big four of this show, which I love. That's a little uh, thrash reference there. I guess that makes me I'm I guess I'm Slayer. No, I don't want to be Slayer. I guess I'm Anthrax. Ugh. Oh, let's let's not do that. Let's okay, not get into no. that. Argument. Yeah, let's not. Yeah, we're not going to figure that out. What we can say for sure, show. though, is that Dick shared something on Facebook today about a memory he had from like oh, nine, oh, 10, man. 11 years ago talking I about that for the, the sheer cringe of like who I was as a person at the age of 18. No, no, no. You were a piece of shit. Oh, <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I wrote that. Oh, my God. It was I, so. What, what was it? Let's hear it. Oh, okay. <laughs> man. <laughs> Right on the gate. Accountability. Got to read it live on the show. Yeah, let's, let's oh, get at it. Find it. Let me find. Okay. So to preface this, this is what I share. This is the what the tagline I shared it with. Jesus, why, why, why was I like this? <laughs> so July six, two thousand nine. I wrote another reason to hate mega shit. They have a song with a French name, a two Le Monde. You know what that translates into? Mega shit sucks and uses gay French names. That was, that was me. Hey, well, you've grown as a person. I have. <laughs> like, wow. And then the first comment, who hurt you? That song is decent. <laughs> Both versions of that song is decent. I, I love that song. I, I seriously oh, love that song. Uh, I don't know what my deal was. That's about <laughs> as close as Megadeth can actually get to an actual, like, ballad. Because Dave just doesn't have the voice for, like, a true love song ballad. Ah. They just... I, I, like I thought Megadeth. you were going to say it's as close as Megadeth was going to get to being in conversation with Metallica on our oh. podcast. <laughs> well, this, no. this is reference. No, actually, Mustaine's going to be oh, referenced on, on this album quite oh, a bit. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do, guys, we're going to go ahead and get her started. I'm going to just fill out a, just a little bit of you know info about the album. You know, uh, it, it was released in 1983 and July 25th, 1983. So we are nearing an anniversary for this album. As we record this, we're we're in the beginning of July of 2020, the year of 37 our, years, huh? Year of our apocalypse, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so this album. Uh, so the band was was comprised of James Hetfield, Lars Ulrich, Dave Mustaine, and Cliff Burton, and they recorded the demo "No Life to Leather." It got them noticed. Eventually, uh, signed by Mega Force Records, uh, all the way in New York. So they had to like pack their stuff up in U-Haul. And they played shows across the country, getting their way to, to New York to, to record their debut album. When they got there, they realized Dave Mustaine's kind of an angry drunk and gets in fights a lot. And we can't, we, no, he, he, he's not gelling with us anymore. So they just, they literally got there 
and sending back home <laughs> on a Greyhound bus. Like, we bought you a ticket. Bye. And, of course, that became a point of contention for Dave Mustaine. And, well, one of the reasons why he formed Megadeth was to kind of... Yeah, like to just get back at Metallica because Dave is a very important part of the early days of Metallica. He, he, you know, he really was. And uh, they they brought in the Exodus lead guitar player, uh, Kirk Hammett, to to try him out, and he ended up working out. And so the really? yeah, he's still there. <laughs> he got in there and he he got on that wah pedal and never left. Well, you know, the wah pedal is something that he found a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, but no, so the. Hammett doesn't have any have any writing had. credits. He probably had it. He just finally turned it on a couple. <laughs> yeah, of them. Oh, hey, there we go. he's like, well, you know, because we all What's know this what pedal ha- do. Well, we all know what happened to Cliff, and Kirk happened to find it. He's like, wow, ah, hey, <laughs> hey, I can make cool Wait noises too. <laughs> so yeah, no, uh, Kirk Hammett has no writing credit on the album, uh, and won't until the next album. Because he came in and just did all, he redid all of Dave's leads essentially, and uh, even one song got renamed entirely, "The Four Horsemen." It was originally called "The Mechanics," and the lyrics were "Burr" by Dave. So they stripped away some of what Dave had brought to the band. But as you can see with writing credits, there there's still enough of Dave here, and even on, on the, like on the next album. But my friends, with that being said, are you ready? To start it off with the very first song off the very first album, I'm ready to hit the lights. It is called Hit the Lights with being ready, having writing credits towards James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich. Hit the Lights debut album opener. Man, uh, where do we start? Who should go first here with their thoughts? Dave, <laughs> Dick, Dick, by all means, he put his hand up. So, uh, I noticed something like just right off the bat in the first 10, 15 seconds of it because you know it's kind of fading in. Yeah. Fading in, you're hearing. I, I'm guessing symbols is what you're hearing, and uh, it's just fading. And then, like, they did not. <laughs> whoever recorded this uh, did not like fade it super smooth because it, it <laughs> like it's like they like accidentally slipped at one point and it just went up just to ba- it's barely noticeable. But if you're really listening, it just jumps in volume instead of you know smoothly going into it. <laughs> Yeah, it, a little jarring. <laughs> like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> ah, yeah, it's that. That's my thoughts. <laughs> I think that wow, that's your only thoughts on the song is that it has a weird fade. Uh, yeah, I mean that's. <laughs> yeah, sure. <Neat> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna start with a little bit of my notes. Uh, I think that this song absolutely hits really hard as an opening track, like a statement. Every band wants to make a statement. The first thing you hear should hook you they successfully do that hit the lights boom it, it's a win i love the interlude uh in the in the middle of the song it actually strips away a lot of the drums i think it's almost just like toms maybe um but again something that really hooks me with the song and then of course the minimalism jumps back into this just thrash unleashed vibe where they're going crazy the solo at the end is blazing fast and they're just they're absolutely giving it their all and i i feel like it's like I don't know if they one taked that and they had practiced it a lot, but God, it has the vibe and the energy that they were just in it yeah. together making that song. And uh, ultimately, just to get it out of the way, I ranked this as a 7.75. I think it's a very strong opening track for this band. Um, and, and obviously it leaves 
a lot of jumping space for what is defined as a 10, what is defined as, you know, mm-hmm. a four, I guess. I don't know that I'll have a four, but maybe. We'll see. Well, that's cool. Um, Nick, why don't you go uh, hit, hit it up next? Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to preface this all, and this is going to be a little shocking. Um, I've not, uh, I'm not listening to this album a whole lot. Um, awesome. it was only once we started talking about it that I'm like, I need to go back through and actually give you some hard listens. Um, so I don't have a whole terrible lot to say. Um, I, uh, I gave it a seven. Um, mm-hmm. cause like Nate was saying, it's a good opener. Um, I like, I love the fade in. I like a good fade in before just really kicking your ass. Um, you like you got that blistering guitar solo, so it gives you a great idea of what to expect with the rest of the album. So, um, I went the I don't know if it's the extra mile because I definitely wouldn't say I put in a whole hell of a lot of effort. Um, but I ranked um, the songs on the album one out of like as a you know how much I liked them. So I gave it a seven rating in terms of overall song, but on the album it landed at number six for me. Cool, awesome, cool. Okay. Uh, so of course this was the first song the band ever wrote. Before they even had any other members, like it was James Hetfield, Lars, and maybe they had Lloyd Grant. I don't know. <laughs> I know uh, maybe Ron McGovney was around, but this song was written for the Metal Massacre sampler disc, and that was the first ever version of that recording. Then I don't know if they re- if they ever re-recorded that for the for the No Life to Leather demo, but this is the re-recording for Kill 'Em All. I feel, and you're going to hear me say this a lot on this album. Uh, because you know Dick's already brought up a little bit of like the production side. It's very noticeable this album was not made with a lot of money. <laughs> uh, very noticeable. And it's still uh, great though. Oh no, that's just what I was getting ready to say. You know, it, this album, if had the same money and production quality of the Black Album, would kill sonically. It would kill. But Absolutely. honestly, part of what makes this album unique in itself is is part two and how raw it is mm-hmm. these are just four dudes trying to make a go of it they have no money whatsoever and they were able to make this album and, and, and honestly a lot of these songs were most of them were already written that's what they went in the studio they hammered it out over like a week or so i believe it said uh that the recording date was may yeah may 10th to the 27th is how long it took them to record this album so these songs were were already cooking for them. Hit the lights. The in the part that I said that you're gonna hear me say it again a couple times. The album gets close to the same kind of vibe you would get from them live, but not quite. You can kind of tell it's some of the attitude is gone from it. And and if you see Metallica videos live from them back then, you'll uh, with any band you, you you'll see they're gonna play harder. They're gonna play faster. And then they go to the, do the album. They're like, okay, we got to be serious now, guys. We got, yeah. <laughs> okay, we've got to play this song and get it right. And someone's like, that's out of time. He's like, whatever. I kind of yeah. feel that for this album. And, and for some other albums, I don't necessarily get that vibe. But for this one, I kind of like feel like for their first one, they were definitely like, okay, come on. We got to get these songs right. We, we played these songs, right? And it's almost like maybe they, they were a little bit more tight with it. You know, yeah. they, they were tight, but... Maybe the looseness will come over time. Hit the lights. It's I pretty ironic. Uh, I also rated this a seven. Yep, that's where I'm at. Seven. I mean, seven across the board. Yeah. Well, I said 7.75. It's closer to an eight for me because I think I have a little more of a personal uh, love for 
this album because it's really weird you know my finding metallica and brandon kind of knows this a little bit i got the black album first as like my real push introduction to like listen 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 and then immediately said i need to go back to the very beginning and learn about this band so i went through the discography in order and really kill them all being so tonally different than what the black album ends up being really hooked me and really had a lasting impression on a you know a 16 year old version of myself that's still in here somewhere i think it's in there right on so with that being said the overall song average is a 7.18 they it's pretty pretty close to being sevens cross board next song the four horsemen and of course this as i said this song was also called the mechanics at one point with much different lyrics and also a different, a little bit of a composition um, change between the songs as well. This song has writing credits for Hetfield, Ulrich, and Mustaine. What do you guys think about the Four Horsemen? Dick went first last time. We'll go Nick first this time. Uh, it is my, uh, I gave it an eight, um, two overall. Awesome. So second favorite track uh, on the album. Um, it's one of those that I really did not really remember that much until this more recently going back to it. Um, I really, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. It's a totally badass. Um, I love, I love the vocals on it a lot. Uh, and I just love a good guitar solo and yeah. they're just, they just come out so hard just shoving it right in your face. Absolutely. Nate, what do you think, man? Um, this song is thrash with a big groove. Like it's still, thrashy as to where when you listen to the mechanics i know at some point we'll probably rank all the megadeth songs and whatnot eventually but like the mechanics is totally a different feel than what this song is and this has more groove that it's the differential between thrash and groove this is like the first time metallica says hey some point we're gonna do an album called load don't be surprised if we get you know really (laughs) groovy on it i'm not you know and, and that's the real deal um this is their first real epic spoiler and i mean and i mean as far as compositionally lyrically you know this song has more uh to say in it about things that are maybe bigger picture than the rest of the album that's more about living the life of metal and fast and thrashy and just living the teenage lifestyle those guys were living uh the sweet home alabama interlude is hands down my favorite stolen riff (laughs) in the history of the metallica catalog like they don't do it for a long time it's just like boom boom bounce, and then they change it going into that amazing like just emotionally gut punching solo um it's perfectly executed this song for me an eight five not too far off of where nick said yeah so the bridge so the so that so that riff that you were talking about uh, it's some stories vary but from what i understand it kind of got inspired because Cliff would play Sweet Home Alabama a lot, like with, like on the acoustic guitar. He would just like sit there over and over again. Yeah, Cliff was accident. Yeah, yeah, Cliff had a he he had a very eclectic music taste, and it really does shine off in his uh, penmanship, which he doesn't get for, on this song. But you know, the mechanics was about having sex at a gas station. This song is about the apocalypse. Um, and it's also the first sort. Of, <laughs> it's a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of a tone Course shift. change. <laughs> but hard like, to see why they kicked him out. Ah, well, there's you know, Dave. Like I'm, I'm Wrong a sexy mechanic. Uh, okay, 
Dave, you really got to work on your lyrics. <laughs> it just stuck. No. It just, it, I just think it's stuck, man. Um, <laughs> so this song is actually the first indicator that Metallica is an anti-war band because they actually changed the name of one of the Four Horsemen. Because uh, you have uh, famine, pestilence, and then um, it's supposed to be war. War, but they changed it from war. To time. To time. So it's it's very interesting. A little small thing. And it's something that we'll see also in other war-related topics for song stuff later on as well from, from, from the band as we go down the discography. This song is, as Nate said, this song's an epic. Uh, and it's track two. And it, it almost sets the tone for what, what what would be like the next four albums coming into the second track. Even though this album's not called The Four Horsemen, if it wasn't called Kill 'Em All, it easily could be to, to fit in with the theme of the rest of them. Because, Where the second track is their title track. Yeah. I mean, it's. No, this song kicks. I gave it a nine. I thoroughly enjoyed this song. This song kicks live so much. And as Nay said, it's, this album, it's mostly in one direction, and that's thrash. This is one of those songs that kind of deviates. It's, it's, and it's not as fast as the rest of the album. And then, but it does so to its favor. So, um, Nate, what did you give the song? Did you? Uh, 8.5. 8.5. I and gave I think it... that Mr. Dongo is last up. Yep, he is last. Yeah. So I'm going I'm to go ahead and give this an 8. Uh, there's not much I can say about the song that you guys haven't already. It fucking jams. Um, I really love that intro riff. The doon da doon da doon da doon da And it, like, what was, since... This was like my first true listen through of this album. Yeah. So uh, at least my first true listen through since 2009, me where I made mega shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hot takes. <laughs> yeah. um, so like obviously I've changed as a person. My musical taste has changed a lot. So what was cool about this listen through is I was hearing a lot of shit that I had heard before, and I was like. I started recognizing it from other things I had heard it in. Like I recognized that riff, the doon, 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 doon. I was like, holy shit, I've heard that before. And then I just, I, of course, I was working out, so it just got me super pumped. And yeah, I dig Four Horsemen. It's probably, barring the, the singles, it's probably uh, my second or third favorite on the album. Right on, right on. Up next is Motor Breath, which was written by Hetfield. He's the only person with a writing credit on here even though there's a disputed claim for Dave Mustaine and he even has a song later on in their discography that is kind of based off this song um he, Vortex right uh or it's something on that album it's something off a of cryptic FFF, I know FFF FFF yep okay so uh, basically it's claimed that Hetfield this came from his from his days in Leather Charm and it's very simple but also note that Heffield downpicks this entire song. Oh, dude, Heffield has like this power downstroke that not very, not many guitar players can match. Like some of those riffs, when you think about it, like man, that's pretty challenging. And now just think about it, Heffield does not do very much alternate picking at all. He's a downstroke motherfucker. So, you would think he would just have a massive right forearm. Quagmire, <laughs> 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 finding porn on the internet. 
<laughs> so, um, this song, honestly, I thought it was going to rate a little higher when I listened to it because I, I used to love jamming to this in the car, which should I say that I don't really think there's any really bad song on here. It's just things that I enjoy more than I enjoy others. I gave the song a seven. So, um, Nate, Nate, we'll go you next. Uh, here are my notes. This is the littlest notes in the entirety of what we've been doing so far in one small line. Uh, simple but brutal thrash, full speed or nothing. I gave this a 7.5. Full speed or nothing. Uh, it, it is very to the point. It does what it needs to do. It is thrash unleashed. And, uh, you know, it, it is a jam, but it is not my favorite jam on this album, mm-hmm. which we'll get to later. Yep. So what, do you, uh, so what do you give it, Nate, as we move on? Uh, oh, I said a 7.5. Oh, sorry. I missed that. It's I, okay. I, I didn't catch that. No um, worries. Dick, we'll hit you next. What do you guys say, man? Uh, I'm gonna have to get a six and a half. Um, I don't really remember it very well. Uh, but after Nate's description, it's like, yeah, that's probably how I'd put it. Uh, it's just, it's just a good jam. Yeah. It's, it's heavy. Yep. It's, it's exactly what I expect from Hetfield's writing. Uh, I, I have always wanted Hetfield to do a solo album, but it would just be metallic. (laughs) 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 I've always wanted Hetfield to do a, uh, a solo album because I, f- I feel like he's got some mean riffs i love his riff style i love like it's not overly complicated but it's just see mean. like back then it, it would be different than maybe hetfield now hetfield now doing a yeah. solo record would probably come across as more like a, a kind of an outlaw rock country type deal and i was totally into that like and, and i i get this from watching some kind of monster watching him come up with riffs in the in the practice space and all that, I'm like, ooh, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what he's thinking too. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that riff, took a while. Yeah. I'm surprised it took us that long to do the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got a couple songs in before we had a typical one. What's funny is that through through my listening of of some of the stuff, I'm I think I'm when I in my re-listens and in my ranking. I'm already on like uh, reload, right? And so, but like every once in a while, like a song on random will come up, come up, and there was a song in Metallica songs where the word "yeah" is a very prominent part of the song. Yeah, and he says it a lot. And then at the very <laughs> end of the song, because it was a live thing, the first thing he says was "yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't remember the uh, the "yeah" and "ooh" compilation. Yeah, it's, yep. it's every single "yeah" and "ooh." James Hetfield does, and it's like a five-minute song, and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Hundreds. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Don't forget, ooh, yeah. Yeah, he, oh, get that one in there he gets where a little it's a crazy, and he, he kind of combines the two. Nick, <laughs> man, uh, what do you guys say about this short little thrashy thrash track? Uh, it didn't leave a huge impression on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a bad song by any means. Yep. Um, just kind of, uh, especially after the first two tracks, just kind of thought, I don't want to, okay, I, I, I like it. Not a bad sure. song, but it felt almost like filler. Um, it just, I guess it just wasn't my style. Uh, I get a six, five and it came in nine out of 10 on the album for me. So, um, yeah, just didn't really stick up a whole lot to me, but, uh, but it's still good. 
So yeah. jammer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's a uh, when you, when you think about like their life at the time, that's a song that I've enjoyed every time that they played it and they pull it out. I was like, oh, cool, Motor Breath, you know. But then mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not like super like, oh my it's gosh, forward. Oh my gosh, they're actually playing the whatever, you know. Yeah. You're not going to get that reaction on me for Motor Breath. But the next song is Jump in the Fire. Technically, a single from this record. When I say technically, uh, it is a single released in January of 84. And I want to say it was because they were doing some tour thing and they were opening up um, for uh, Twisted Sister. Uh, they were going with uh, with with uh, with Twisted Sister supporting Venom on their tour, and it was their uh, it was sponsored by uh, Metallica's UK's album distributor. So they made the, fu- the the Jump of the Fire EP for that, and so you could go and pick that up at the shows. Whoa, cool! Um, so Jump in the Fire, guys. Um, I guess I'll go first on this one. This has writing credits from Lars. James and Dave Mustaine. I gotta say, this is probably, looking back on it, one of my least favorite tracks on the album. And ten I, out of ten from mine. It was bottom of the bottom of the pile. It just, it doesn't hit. I remember listening to it as a kid, thinking, "Yeah, jump in the fire." You know, <laughs> I even had a jump in the fire shirt because the uh, the album art for the EP is like like big old Satan monster. Is like it looks badass. Fucking awesome, yeah. But the but my overall impression of it was just lackluster, uh, especially compared to some of the stuff here that's on the album. And if I dare say it, I don't think this is what they were going for. So 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 please don't mistake this. I kind of feel like they were when they were writing this song, they were trying to find that blend between what they were doing and something a little bit more palatable. Mainstream. Mainstream. Yeah. You know, well, like. Maybe a little bit more laid back, you know. Like we had that with the Four Horsemen, but this one is just even more so. It, it I don't want to say like this is like them trying to be ACDC, but in a way, it, it's kind of it, it, it seems simplified c- compared to similar stuff on here on the like on the album. I gave it a six, and nice. we'll go with Nick next. I, I also gave it a six, and like I said, it came uh, last. Um, after Motor Breath, it came, you know, uh, my, my least favorite on the album. Um, but I don't remember it. Uh, it's not it's not that I dislike it. Yeah. It's just it, lackluster was the word I would use, too. Well, I mean, you know, we gave it a six. And when you think of a six out of a ten, it's like passable. Good. You know, maybe teetering into the all right. You know, the, the, they definitely made a concerted effort with this song. And yeah, I definitely heard songs by them that I like less. Yes. But, yes. <laughs> uh, yes in terms of this album, which I mean, again, you know, they're. <laughs> I, I do not dislike or I do not dislike any song on the album. So, um. when, yeah, when you put your when you're putting your critical thinking hat on, so, and you're like, all right, like how much did I really enjoy that comparatively to what I think nostalgically when I like think of Metallica or Kill 'Em All? It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I think man, that album kicks, man. And then I start looking at it, we're like, well, maybe not that one. Well, maybe not that one either. Actually, this one over here is badass. Speaking of badass, yeah. Dick, what do you got to say? Uh, it was okay. Uh, <laughs> there's another, there another non-memorable song. Mm-hmm. Um, so in these in these songs where I don't remember them, I'm just gonna give my impression of the whole album because uh, what 
for what I remember, I remember this album being a lot shorter than it was. So when I pulled it up to listen to it on a good old uh, Apple Music, uh, I was like, there's a lot more songs here than I remember. I remember this being like six, five or six songs and there's 10 here. Um, but it, you can definitely hear like the punk roots in it. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like how riffy this, this album is like, it's sure. there, there's a lot of really cool, memorable riffs. Uh, I mean, again, like for the longest time I had only really known like the really big hits, like hit the lights, uh, whiplash, seek and destroy, that's all I remembered from this album. So it's it's really cool. It was really cool to go through it and uh, hear some of these songs that I had never actually listened to before. So uh, I'd, I'll give this song a six. Yeah, I, that, that was a good point, Jake. Like, I, there's definitely a good handful of the songs that I'm like, oh, I definitely know this and I definitely like this song. And I don't know. I don't know if until two months ago I'd ever – her jump in the fire or if that's one that i've listened to in the past and just kind of like eh, skipped over it yeah to get to one that i that i knew a little bit better if i'm being real like the only song i know by heart on this album is seek and destroy which it's a given like that's banger that's it's banger yeah Nate, nate's a got notes banger. nate's got notes though nate what do you <laughs> gotta say uh okay jump in the fire catchy riff the mm-hmm. riff itself you know you know it's great uh, one thing I will implore you guys to go back and listen to that gave the song a little bit more panache for me. Like it made me enjoy it more. Listen with headphones. I'm listening on my Zoom. So it's. <laughs> That's it. That's why his, his, all, his, all of Nate's scores are not going to be asterisks. He he listened to a Zoom. It's going to be a different experience. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you have a Zoom? <laughs> I have two working Zooms. A Hearing that, gig. Vintage, that vintage Microsoft compression. <laughs> well actually a lot of these songs you know being direct rips from the cd have a little bit of a quality where i didn't like i've never paid attention really and like closed off what i was doing loud as i can get it without hurting my fucking deaf ears like really immerse myself in the album and with this album like jump in the fire catchy riff kind of a boring song the the solo section really lacks in my opinion until we get to that final solo, and then they kind of turned it up to 11 and said, let's go for a blazing as fast fucking crazy solo as we can get. Uh, that made but- me feel guilty when I get, when I gave it such a low rating. I'm like, I'm at the end of the song. I'm like, fuck, that's a nasty solo. <laughs> yeah, it really Just is. that one at the very end. Uh, but the one thing that in my ears caught me more than anything is in the choruses – Listen to what Cliff is doing on bass. It doesn't directly follow the guitar at all. And he starts doing little sub rhythms and stuff that are so fucking cool and intricate. I was like, wow, I like this song a little bit more than I thought I did. And I was going to only give this song a six, much like you guys. That bumps it to a six, five for me when I'm writing this all out. So, uh, yeah, I think we're all still kind of very much on the same uh, same playing field and card here so far. Right on, right on. Well, up next is Anesthesia, Pulling Teeth, the first instrumental among the group of instrumentals. This song has a writing credit of just one fella, Cliff Burton. And I think he showcases here with this song why they wanted him as their bass player. Because he, we have a dude who's playing lead bass with his fingers. All that distorted wahness is just him going nuts. And a lot of it is improvised too. Every every single time he play, would play the song live, 
Like, whenever he would start just start soloing along, it would always be just whatever he was into, whatever he was feeling at the moment. And I, I really dig it. I know I, I don't know if, if Dick or Nick, if you guys have had a chance to see it yet, but in SM2, they brought out a celloist, hooked him up to a distortion and wah wah pedal, and he played Anesthesia. On a cello, was, on, I need on an electric cello, amazing. and it was badass, and it, and just such a cool moment in honoring Cliff because Cliff was just a very special cat, and you know, and Nate, I'm I'm really glad that you brought up that whole thing about jumping the fire because it is an, an intricate thing that he would just do and really not get enough credit for little things that he would do. You know, uh, he didn't play bass like everybody else played bass. He always nope. found some different cool nuances to do, and. Well, that and just his tone in general. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like not, not a lot of bass players fiddled with their tone. I mean, a lot of bass players still don't really fiddle with their tone. And so 85% didn't ever have a distortion pedal included with yeah. their yeah. their run and yeah. their, their rig. Bass is extremely underrated, and as much as we joke about it, yeah. it's such a great part of the music. And it, it would the music just would not be the same if a bass player was not there. I'm really excited to get into the next few albums because Cliff's contributions only make this band better. And and his presence is felt even more so after his death because of the things that he would teach James and Lars with music theory and their writing style. And you can definitely see where things may have gone with Cliff still in the band, you know. I remember reading in an inter- in like an interview where they were uh, around Master Puppet, so it was around the time that he died, and they're like, so uh, what's your favorite album right now? And he goes, I'm really digging R.E.M. <laughs> you know? And they're like, R.E.M.? He goes, yeah, man, it's really cool. You know, I'm really digging it. And they're like, do you ever think Metallica will do something like that? And he goes, well, not right now. Because right now we're kind of busy doing our thing. And it's like, he's like, but, he's like, you never want to say never. It's like, you know, wow. when, when we get to the moment, when we get to the time where we feel like we're comfortable enough to do something like that, maybe we will. You know, nothing about Metallica defines them into what genre they need to be in, and and that was Cliff Bay. All these all these hardcore guys that were saying that Cliff wouldn't hate would hated where they've gone. Uh, nope, maybe not. Maybe he wouldn't have been exactly. Uh, James has said that he felt Cliff would have been an ally against the load visual rebrand because James hated that. He's like, I'm I'm not into this whole like. U2 gothic look that James or uh, that Kirk and Lars were going with because and it eventually led to like Amish James yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I gave anesthesia a seven um uh Nick what do you got to say about anesthesia uh I gave it a seven five um it was number four for me um in terms of my favorite songs on the album yeah um it was just sick I wasn't ready for it was one of the ones that I did remember um, jumping back into it. But um, since I'd last heard it, it's been a couple of years since I've listened to this album. Uh, it uh, I love it even more now than I did then. Um, yeah, Cliff's fucking amazing. So I loved it. Just it's just a great big showcase. They, uh, like yeah. literally, they just like put the spotlight on him, and they're like, "You're a badass bass player, and we want to do a song. We want to include that on the album." He's like, "Okay," <laughs> so he just. I bet and you he, he killed it. I bet you he recorded that with his bell bottoms on, looking the most ungraceful, unbadass. Like he's sitting there like in a stool. <laughs> was that good, guys? Not like, a gothic cowboy. There, you know, there's James over there like jerking off. Go, that was great, man. Just keep going, man. <laughs> about to finish. Keep going. I'm about to finish. Jump on the drums, Lars. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Dick, what do you got to say about anesthesia? 
Oh, I love this song. So this is the first time, and this listen through, this is the first time I've actually listened to Metallica play it. Okay. And I say that because uh, the first time I ever heard it uh, was the second show I ever played with uh, my old band Catacresis. We were playing at this place called The Hilltop Fortress. And I didn't know we were doing this part, but all of a sudden, uh, I guess they told me like right day of the show, like, hey, we're doing anesthesia, or our bass player is doing anesthesia. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but cool, I can get a break. So, Miles, Miles Ehrlich, uh, phenomenal bass player. He just starts jamming this. I, th- I think I still have this on video of him at that show playing. And, was, and I remember I was like, holy fuck, that's such a cool song. And I didn't even know Metallica did it. I was just like, that's such a cool song. And then the rest of the band jams in. Ah, nine. Awesome. Nine. Hell yeah. I was oh, really, that makes me feel so much better about my rating now. I was leery to give it higher because it really is just a jam. I love it, and well, then, and, and and that's why like when I gave it a seven, I, I made sure to really give it a lot of love with, with with my description. Whereas maybe I don't feel like this is the greatest Metallica song ever. I absolutely love it. But Nate, Mister Notes, take it away. You call me Mister Notes. I love that. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, bass solo, take one. As soon as that line hits. M- the little hairs that are on my arm are just straight up and down spider sense mode. Like I'm back in high school listening for the first time, you know, is it because Um, you know what happened to cliff? No, man. Honestly, I have been a fan of his, like I, you know, you obviously know like the, the, the story of what happened to him, but musically and Brandon can attest to this. I tried to like learn everything cliff did on bass, even though I wasn't anywhere near his talent or Mm -hmm. ability. You know, I was pushing myself like I learned the first, I'd say, half of anesthesia when I was 17 on bass. And I didn't really have any rights to be able to do that. But I pushed myself because of how much musically it hooked me. And uh, one thing that really catches me about this song, another thing that's subtle, but in using his effects, using his wah, how his distortion is set up in the song right before the drums come in. There's a moment where the bass is swarming you from every fucking direction. It is the most sonically like this is the fucking bass that you could have in a song. And ultimately, the the world, just on this song alone, like if he did nothing else with his Metallica career, people would have always talked about Anesthesia Pulling Teeth as one of the coolest bass songs ever done. You know, your Victor Wootens and your other, you know, Getty Lee bass players and stuff like that. Sure. This set a very special tone in the metal world for how bass can be portrayed. 9.5. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pulling that, pulling that average for that song up. Uh, it deserves it. It deserves it. <laughs> I will say we are early on with the ranking of ranking them all. And right now that song has, has the highest average. <laughs> out of all of the songs so far and uh so up next is whiplash and i absolutely love the song and i thought this even before i knew that this existed and i actually played this for nate just the other day Uh, to me this was their ode to motorhead if you listen to it it it's like Motorhead does a cover of this song, by the way, and it sounds like it was just their song the entire time. Like 
Is like, it true they actually won a Grammy for it? Too? Motorhead did win a Grammy for their performance. <laughs> <of> the <Flash. laughs> Grammys have a have a tendency to win, give awards to covers. Oh I man, he recently didn't they? Who did? That Tenacious D won a cover. Oh, for uh, for the cover. Last in Line. Yeah. Yeah, and yes, and awesome you, cover. Yeah, that, that's a. I love that yeah. cover. <laughs> but, I think also, a Grammy for or a uh, Grammy nomination for Holy Diver. Yeah, I remember. Right. Also a great cover. Uh, ironically, also a Dio song. But yeah. um, Whiplash, absolutely love the song. It's a great song live. This this is this was their their live th- uh, mosh song. Like early in the days, it's like, all right, everybody, you guys ready to let fucking loose? And they and they would just play this song as loud and as fast as they could. And literally the whole song is like talking about just banging your head against the stage. Like basically <laughs> the, the song is about head banging <laughs> and being at a show. I gave it an eight out of 10. Cause I really feel like this. I felt like whiplash was a high point on the album for sure. Dick, what, like, what do you got to say? Uh, it's a, it's a really cool thrashy song. Um, I'm going to have to give it a, a seven and a half. Um, now I got, all, it's, it's just a really cool thrashy song. <laughs> Nate, it was cool to work out too. I remember uh, much. this song is a tribal headbanger. It has a lot of like really cool like tribal vibes to the metal of it. Uh, I I wrote in my notes it's meta metal because it's a song talking about being in metal, <laughs> hearing the metal that you're being at. It's very intricate. And then to top it off, they even throw that they're Metallica. Wait, wait. <laughs> Within within the meta metalness, so they're meta metal Metallica, <laughs> which is a lot to take in. Uh, Stroke. The the song is about <laughs> how the music rips through you. Kirk shreds on the guitar, even though it's it's a it's a Mustaine built riff. Um, yeah, a nine, easy. It it, nine. it it's way up there for me. I really love this song. Nick. I'm gonna bring that average down. <laughs> I give it a uh, 6.75. Um, yeah, it was a banger, um, but it just. Uh, um, I, I made a note specifically next to this song that um, I, I'm rating these songs on a scale of Metallica. You know, sure, like sure. it's not, it's not, it's not like on a scale of like all music that I listen to. It's you know the absolute best Metallica and the apps and and the the one I don't like as much um and i just i just know i'm like man if i keep if i give all these songs high ratings then it's not gonna matter as much um for the ones that i really really do like and that i really want to stick out um it came at seven out of ten for me on the album um good song banger um but i'm not uh it uh yeah it wasn't my favorite on the album all right. Well, Whiplash, I forgot to say, has a writing credit for James and Lars. Uh, the next song, Phantom Lord, Dave Mustaine, Lars and James. Uh, this song was, again, one of the earlier songs on the album. And we'll start with Nate. Nate, what do you got to say about Phantom Lord? Musically, it's very sound. I like the riffs and the <clears throat> music that they do. Lyrically, it is probably the most boring song they have on this album. I find nothing to connect to in the phantom lord you know um i will say it's a slow jam the slow jam bit in the like towards the end makes the song cool but the big rock ending is different from anything they do this song is just like a seven for me it's it's good 
it's not their best work um yeah that's all i had this is just it's just phantom lord this song was a six for me uh just phantom lord (laughs) this song was a six for me until until that middle part where it brought it down and it actually changed um their tempo and they started with the clean picking and it just gave it it gave the uh, it gave the song a little bit more a little bit more depth because like literally up to that point i'm like yeah this is a six because i'll just even though i gave jump jump on the fire a six this is a song i always always usually skip when i go back if say like if it comes up on shuffle or if i'm just going through some stuff like phantom lord is never one that has ever stuck out to me uh on this album as being really strong so, uh, did you notice though, too, real quick before we before we get everybody else's thoughts? Did you notice how you said Mustaine has a part in this? He used this riff later in his career too. That slow jam, somehow, like I don't know exactly where I've heard him use it, but it's in another song, like Absolution or something. There's there's that clean picking, and it's identical to Phantom Lord. Anyways, mm. Nick, what do you guys say, man? Um. I liked it. Um, I couldn't tell you particularly. Definitely, I liked the transition in the middle of it. Um, and I think that's what uh, that's what kind of hooked me. I gave it a seven. Um, it was decent. It was not one that I'd ever, I'd had in past listenings, it never stuck out to me. And something about more recently, I liked it a little more now. So I'll give it a seven. Right Mr. Tyner? Uh, so I remember when I initially listened to this, and this again, this is the first time I've ever listened to this song. So when my initial listen, I remember like really digging it. Like I wasn't trying to pay too much attention to the lyrics and stuff. I, I dug the vocals. I dug how everything gelled together. Uh, and I remember thinking like, aside from Seek and Destroy, this is probably my favorite song on the album. Uh, just It just sounded so cool. Um, I And I remember wanting to rank it really high, but like I don't want to... Re- now, now that I'm like thinking about it, it's like I don't. Is this my favorite song? Do I want to rank this high? Everybody else is ranking it pretty low. Nah, go with your uh, gut, man. Go with your gut. Whatever you feel. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll give it a nine. All right. That's the that's the thing, you know. I I actually felt a little like weird. I'm like, man, I only gave Hit the Lights a seven. Like, like <laughs> well, maybe, that's why I was like, oh, I well, gave. I was thinking. Nine. I was kind of thinking maybe I should give it, you know, maybe I should give it an eight. I don't know. And then everyone's like seven. I'm like, all right, then I feel all right. I'm, I'm right there. I'm feeling better about my decision. All right. No, dude, nine's awesome. They're like, the thing is, is that there are going to be songs where, you know, there's going to be a song where one of us finds something in there that said, yes, that the rest of us are going to be like, I don't feel that. <laughs> and that may be this next one. No remorse. No remorse uh, comes at us with only Hetfield and Ulrich with a writing credit, and I feel like No Remorse is kind of a dark horse, no pun intended or no rhyme intended for that on this album. No Remorse is awesome. It's got a great riff. It's got a great. It's just tempo all the way through. It keeps going. It keeps trucking. It it almost feels like. This could almost be the Four Horsemen esque, like as far as like the Four Horsemen, like has that little chugga. It's almost like you're on like a little metal train. You just keep keep moving along, moving along. No remorse does that for me a, a little bit, but not as well. I gave it an eight. Uh, it's definitely one when I think about Kill 'Em All. This is like it might not be first or second, but it's definitely debated for like third or fourth. Like no man, No Remorse is an awesome song, and I don't I, and they don't play it often enough. 
Hmm. Uh, Nick, what do you guys say? Uh, it came. I gave it a six five. Uh, it didn't uh, didn't particularly stick out to me. Um, again, I'm only giving it a couple listens listen through nows. Uh, but yeah, it came down pretty low on my list. Uh, not one that that really stuck out to me. Um, I got no remorse saying it. <laughs> <laughs> no remorse, Dick. How about you? Do you also have no remorse for this song? I have no recollection. <laughs> no recollection. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, really, <laughs> I don't remember the song at all, to be honest, because and I think that the, the issue is I listened to this all while working out, and the, I was trying to listen to it. I was trying to get my thoughts about all these songs, but I was just so enthralled by how much more I like it now than I did back then. Sure. So it, it ended up becoming a lot harder to... <laughs> Like well, really? also a lot of the a lot of the songs have the same kind of tone, yeah, and they're almost other than maybe a few a, f- a few slight variances, they almost all have the same kind of tempo. So w- so when you're going into out of songs, this album makes it very easy to get lost into a song and not realize that you have necessarily changed songs. That absolutely happened several times. By the time I to, to try to take a note to myself. And be like, all right, let me try to remember exactly which one this is. And it's like, yeah. now see, I thought this was the other song. By the time I got to this well, point, I took album, notes. Yeah. By the time I, I got to the, point the album, notes. I was like, I, I, would, I had already kind of zoned out by this point, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, so, and I was just more focusing on just, yep, jamming some songs. <laughs> so, uh, I'll, I'll stick it with a seven, uh, keeping it average, I guess. Nate, with your notes, what do you, like, like, what, like, what do the notes say? Solo in the intro is mad flex. Like the solo <laughs> intro, like they just come like not like hey, let's pussyfoot around it. They just wow, wow, shred into it like fuck your face up and you're like, "Oh wow, this is <laughs> this is they're they're here to take over war without end." You know, like it's oh, it's so good. Um I will say an interesting thing happened again listening with headphones, listening through the Zoom, really just immersing myself. They put reverb on the guitar. Mhm. And the reverb threw me so far off, it changed the quality of the sound of the riff to me. And, like, go back and listen. If you really pay attention, the reverb that's happening is playing after they're done playing as they're playing. So it creates this weird, almost, like, kickback of their own sound they didn't mean to get. Because, again, low quality, not spent on a lot of money, not really refining things and going, ah, that is, you know, a really big deal. We need to get rid of that sound. They just left it. Uh, ultimately, this song is an 8.25 for me, but I also put uh, the Maiden bit post-solo is, uh, what did I write here? Stellar. Stellar is the word Stellar. I wrote. Stellar. That's a good ultra, word. Ultra thrash end with flaming drums. Did you That's put, my opinion of No Remorse. You did 8.25? Yes, sir. 8.25. Up next is the song that everybody knows from this album. The song that has pretty much become a staple for the band, seek and destroy. It's already been mentioned that this song is banger territory. One hundred percent certified fresh banger. All right, Nick. So, how banger is this song? This is my favorite. <laughs> Shocking, I'm sure. Uh, I give it an eight point five. Um, it's just, it's one you can rock your head to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one that. Uh, um, it was one of my favorite when I saw him live. It, uh, we've got fucking, I feel like half the local bands around here have covered it. 
um so it's 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 one of my favorites one of my favorite metallica songs ever so dick uh yeah it's uh without okay so there's the there's the favorite of the album and there's like the obvious favorite like you can't mm-hmm. even say it's your favorite because it's just so fucking obvious this is the obvious favorite of the album for me and i, I give it a 10 you know wow. this song first, fucking jams the first 10 of the entire rank em all <laughs> series well i mean if we really want to get specific I, i'm it's going to be like 9.97 you know what might as well oh, <laughs> we, we've already made it We're going I, down that hard can we keep it to point two fives, please? <laughs> I was I was like shocked that you guys were given like point seven five, point two five. I'm like, what? Just give it a solid. Well, yeah. To be fair, I did all of mine with solids, but yeah, it's but solid it's cool. or a point it's cool. five. But no, whatever. Uh, I don't. I don't use us. It's funny. No, it's this funny. this oh. this album is 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 pretty fucking killer. But this song, I said earlier that you're gonna hear me say live version is better. Nick said he that 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 he loves the song live. I do too. And I, I feel like that's the only reason why I didn't give it a 10 here is because some of that energy is just missing from the studio version. It's like this song. Well, I mean, it's just I as it's I was just, being critical and I'm like, all right, what? Because as I started like ending, I, I, I saw it. I literally when we were when we were getting ready, to, getting ready to do a podcast back here one day, I had my vinyl on, which I've got right over here. And uh, I just had it on, and I'm and I'm rolling through, and I'm like, I haven't given a ten yet. Maybe Seek and Destroy will be the first ten. And it just got to a point where I'm like, I think the live version may be that much better. But, okay, nine. So I'm as a huge diehard fan, I'm actually being really strict with myself. So then I'm like, all right, what is the first ten then for Metallica? And we'll find out maybe. Yeah. But, no. What What I love about Seek and Destroy is. Like, it's one of those songs that, like, if you're a band and you're playing a local show or something, mm-hmm. you know, like Nick said, a lot of bands around here have covered it. Oh, yeah. Even if, like, the crowd isn't reacting much to any of your music, if you play Seek and Destroy, you own the room. <laughs> From my experience around here, like, I have seen bands that have, like, completely flopped, and then they pull out Seek and Destroy, and it's like, <laughs> fuck yeah! <laughs> It's like Freebird for metal. <laughs> Next for life. <laughs> metal Freebird. Yeah, writing credits are James and Laura's. I didn't say that, but last of all, last but not 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 least, here Nate. Nate, what what do the epic notes say about Seek and Destroy? <clears throat> Easily song. the most memorable riff on the album. Oh right? yes, yes. I mean, hands uh, down. Okay, that, that probably that arguably like other than maybe a few other Metallica riffs, maybe their most all time. It it might it might be top five. For some of the most memorable. This is another one of those songs. It's more jam, less thrash. The thrash is there, mm-hmm. but they're more jamming. They're more vibing. They're, yeah. they, they went and they probably had a nice, they smoked a J before they got into recording <laughs> and they slowed down just a little bit. That's why it's not album or it's not live thrashiness like you like. You know, it's a little bit kicked back. Uh, pay attention to Cliff's bass effects. Throughout the song, they are changing. And I mean, he's using phasers. He's using the distortion. He's obviously using the wah. And it's not huge, long stretches. They're in and out. Bah, bah, bah. Use it here. Use it here sparingly. It's very clever. The solo trade-offs uh, after the second chorus, I think it is, flawlessly executed, where they're just back and forth trading the, the solo, going through it. Uh, the outro jam is groovy, has a nice attack, you know. And ultimately, at the end, I wrote this anthem 
describes not only this album, but the entirety of Metallica's career. They are searching to seek and destroy. And they've done a great job of that. 9.75, easily the highest on the album for me. <laughs> I, I went to go type that and was just like, really? <laughs> That's what we're doing? All right. <laughs> 9.75. Um, that, that leads us to the closer of the album, Metal Militia. Um, Dick, we'll start with you to see. Uh, do, do you even remember this one? Uh, <laughs> nine eight. Nah, I, I'll give it a six and a half. It was a, I, it, it wasn't a memorable song, and I and I'm not even attributing that to my lack of notes or trying to remember. It's just it, I, I wasn't into it. I remember it coming up and being like, oh, metal militia, and I remember hearing the fucking James chant chanting it, and, and I was like, I'm not into this. So six and a half. Nick. I was riding the high from Seek and Destroy because yeah. that's what comes right after it, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And uh, it ended up number five out of ten for me on the album. I gave it a seven. Right on. Nice. Right on. Nate? Uh, heavy and fast, in-your-face intro. Another anthem for the band. They kind of put their anthems right back-to-back with each other, you know? This is just a different kind of anthem. Uh, more foot on the gas as opposed to your search and Seek and Destroy. Uh, again, Cliff knows where to shine. Listen through that. You'll hear different moments where he really picks his moments to to take the bass to 11, even if most bass players only know how to take it to like a three and a half. Uh, but the song is just okay for me, and that's where uh, the ranking comes in. It's only a seven and a, and a quarter for me. 7.25 is my rating. All right. I gave it a seven as well. Uh, this song, ironically, was one of the first songs I tried to learn on guitar. I didn't. I quickly switched and, and tried to start learning "Smoke on the Water." Uh, it was the first song. <laughs> I was like, uh, but, but well, I I just remember like the I just that riff is really cool. The whole album has a lot of really cool riffs. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and cool, memorable, fun riffs. Metal Militia. I, I forgot to say, Lars, James, and Dave Mustaine have writing credits. So this is one of the other Mustaine. So the Mustaine songs, Four Horsemen. Jump in the Fire, Phantom Lord, and, and Metal Militia. Out of those, there's only one of them that we really ranked favorably, and that was Four Horsemen. So maybe we'll see where this goes when we start diving into the Mustaine band, the Ooh, mega shit, yeah. <clears throat> as Dick liked to call them. But mega shit. I don't think it's any surprise what is the highest overall song average. Seek and Destroy. Seek and Destroy at a 9.3. Ooh. The lowest on the entire album. Scanning that Motor real breath. quick. No, it was it was jumping the fire at six point one. Six point one. So the overall, uh, so my album rank was seven point five. Nate's was a an eight. Dick, seven point six five, and Nick's was a seven with an overall average of. Seven point five seven five. Five seven five. We said we were going to be specific in this rank. Yeah. So but uh, I think that's a fair ranking. Honestly. No, I do too. You know what? Like, yeah. uh, when I ranked it at a seven point five, like when it came out to that, I was like, you know what? I don't know. Was I a little bit too harsh on some of these songs? And as I would continue on ranking, I don't think that I was. You know, when we get into the next albums, I, I think these songs. 
where I ranked them in my list, uh, fit pretty along the lines with where I kind of think the band was heading. And we can definitely see that as we go along here. But Kill 'Em All has been officially ranked, as we said, the overall, the master ranking for the album is 7.575. Going forward, we're going to hit Ride the Lightning next. Thank you guys so much for joining me for this debut episode of Rank Em All. You. Nate has one other thing. Did we have any final thoughts? Because I actually have final thought notes. Okay, so, 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 so Nate's got final thought <laughs> sorry, notes. Sorry, sorry. I have. I just have one last thing to say that I think is important uh-huh. to, to, to riff on my... <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> Trying to uh, wrap this up. We're going to do another one of these here. This is a this is a great debut for Metallica. Yeah, all the numbers shining throughout. While lyrically, they don't yet capture the bigger themes. Uh, they find a fun way to keep the listener guessing. The riffs are there and timeless. Uh, still one of my favorites. That's my final thoughts. I concur. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm kidding you, Nate. Um, no, thank you for having some closing notes. Be I, I think the album kills. I mean. No pun intended. I think it's a pretty killer album. It really shows where they started because when you go back and listen to this, you know, some people can't handle that production change, especially like Nate. Black Album was my first taste of an actual album from Metallica. Th- that album cost them $2 million to make <laughs> comparative to whatever this cost them, which I don't know how much uh, Kill 'em All costs, but we do know how much Ride of Lightning costs, and we'll talk about that when we get there. But I think was what kind of killed it for me back in the day when I listened to this because I, I was coming off of Death Magnetic. I was sure. coming off of Black Album and listening to those two albums and then I go to Kill 'em All because it, it's it's huge. Everybody, All my friends love this album. Let's check it out. Oh. <laughs> but things have changed. Nick, you have any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I feel, it feels like exactly what you would expect the first Metallica album to start with. Yeah. Uh, Black Album was my first, and then um, I went to Master. Uh, and the production quality is something you need to get over. Yeah. Um, but I think that they they made it very clear throughout all 10 songs what you could expect from them in the years to come. Kill them all, according uh, to this data here, because certifiable platinum three times in the United States, over 3 million copies of Kill Em All sold in this country here and so and i I assume you add that with the with the other numbers across the world uh uh, i'm not sure if there's a metallic album that hasn't sold a million even lulu has probably sold a million we don't talk we've been there and we're not ranking (laughs) lulu lulu's not involved with the ranking but guys thank you so much for joining us here uh, on the very first rank of all for Kill 'em All, we're gonna go down the line once again. We have Nick Maxson, the the duder of dudes, the the maestro of doom, dude master supreme, dude master supreme. <laughs> of course, he hosts Brews with Dudes as well as as Dungeons with Dudes that you can find on the Journey into Comics uh, network. Also, Dick Blaine, Doctor Dongo, Tyner Fernando. Uh, he hosts okay. Podcastrophe. He is here. We're ranking with us as well. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the Podfather, Nate Phillips. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This has been a great first episode. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to be hitting Ride the Lightning next. Of course, I have been Brando. And uh, we are going to catch you on the next episode. Until next time, we have been the panel, and we will see you then. Later on, guys. Yeah. Later.